Sims IVF have a leading team of fertility experts. With locations all throughout Ireland, Sims IVF are here for you every step of the way. They have tailored treatments to suit your needs, so whether you are looking to freeze your eggs, go it alone, or need advanced treatment such as pre-genetic testing, they have the plan for you. Their mission is to provide hope to all those that need help starting families. Hi, I'm Miriam Burke. And I'm Eving McBride. And welcome to A Little Birdie Told Me, a podcast brought to you by rollercoaster.ie. Every week we'll be bringing you insights, advice and our own personal experiences, along with some great guests to help you, our listeners, navigate the ups and downs of pregnancy and parenting. In this episode, we speak with nurse manager Amy Murphy and lab manager Mandy Leslie from the Sims Clinic in Swords for a frank and open talk about the reality of fertility treatment. We discuss the obstacles some people face when they are trying to conceive, debunk fertility myths, and offer hope to those thinking about or embarking on their fertility journey. So I suppose like trying to conceive and fertility in general, it's it's just it's such a multi-layered topic um, and it's quite a sensitive topic. But you know, I think there are a lot of kind of myths out there surrounding fertility even though we're totally informed now and we can access so much information you know like I even know myself like when I was trying to conceive I succumbed to some of the kind of old wives tales so like is there any legitimacy or truth to them like you know some of them like putting your legs in the air after having intercourse or like you need to orgasm to conceive is there any truth to them Amy? Some have merit some absolutely don't they're they're usually passed down through like, you know, mothers and sisters and aunties and all of that. But the thing is with the old wives tales and the myths, I always try to say to everyone, they tend not to do any harm, you know. So if you feel like this will just give you peace of mind that you're giving it your all and you want to follow like a family tradition and it will give you peace of mind, then absolutely go for it. But the legs in the air absolutely has no medical basis. If that's a comfy spot for you, actually, it's really you, not you comfortable. <laughs> See, I, I actually did do that, and it felt like it was automatic or something. It's just like, well, might as well just, you know, Help stick it, it along. If it feels yeah. right, off you go. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's instinctive. You're like, yeah. keep everything inside. You yeah. know, it's exactly, like, yeah. that's yeah. it. It's downhill. Or <laughs> yeah. That's it, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I think, look, if it gives you peace of mind, especially look you know yourself fertility is such a sensitive journey and you know when people are struggling they want to give their all so if that just gives you a little bit of comfort after it's no problem there's no big studies or journals to say it's mm. fine yeah you, you know like that it's going to give you the success you want but as I said peace of mind is, is key and you mentioned to me the orgasm actually at so that again directly you know an orgasm doesn't guarantee you'll conceive you know but what, when you do orgasm, your uterus contracts, so it can help propel sperm into the cervix, essentially. Nice. So that movement does help, and you get a big rush of oxytocin, which, again, makes you feel really relaxed and in love and more connected to your partner and all of that stuff. So, again, all of that reduces stress and cortisol, which makes you naturally more relaxed. So there is merit for that, for sure. Okay. Yeah. And is that why acupuncture is also kind of touted as a beneficial procedure to do when you're trying to conceive, because it reduces stress? Mm. Absolutely. Again, look, acupuncture is something that carves out that little bit of protected time for you, and which we all struggle to get, I suppose, on a day to day basis. So if you have that hour per week where it's just for you, again, those cortisol levels tend to reduce, mm. which again 
reduces depression, anxiety, relieves stress, again, can assist with conceiving and even regular menstruation, which again is important for ovulation and conceiving. So yeah, yeah again, that would have merit for sure. Yeah, well, I was, we, do, we do hear a lot about how stress is a big factor um, in, you know, in everything that we do. But we hear I think a lot of us have heard stories that they've been trying to conceive and it's been taking quite a lot of time and then once they somehow start to relax like they just decide maybe we won't try anymore mm. um and give it a break and then suddenly they conceive yeah it's that, that happened to me on my first pregnancy yeah. like I mentioned it before but I had a chemical pregnancy for my first actual first pregnancy and then um had been like going gung-ho trying to get pregnant had been like doing the legs in the air mm. had been taking all these like you know whatever supplements had been doing acupuncture had a, like a, a tincture uh, is that what they're called tincture? yeah mm. uh, it was disgusting um <laughs> chinese herbs yeah it was absolutely <laughs> vile but i was like this is gonna give me my baby and um anyway when i had the loss then i just kind of decided i was just gonna stop trying for a while and enjoy the summer and you know whatever and then of course I got pregnant straight away because it was like I obviously had just relaxed um and then for my second pregnancy I was it was planned so I was trying you know and and I kind of repeated some of the things I did which is acupuncture and I, I really do believe that acupuncture just I don't know it kind of like helps your body kind of I don't know more in like in line with being pregnant or something it kind of like preps your body mm, I do I think it does as I said it, it it is really well known for regulating menstrual cycles so mm. I do think that regularity does help with conceiving and you know regular ovulation and all of that but yeah it, it is it's one of those things that you get lots of kind of anecdotal feedback and I suppose when you were saying about relaxing and all of that stuff I've been working in fertility kind of around eight years or so. And over the course of my journey, I was looking at, I've looked after lots of people, but there was a particular couple I did look after and they were trying to conceive, conceive, conceive. They, I think they must have had about eight or 10 cycles. And then eventually the couple were like, you know what? I, we're just done we're drawing a line under it that's that you know so afterwards you know we had we had a, a lovely chat and pretty emotional but she was like I'm going on holidays and I was like look go on your holidays live your life she was like I haven't drank in pretty much 10 years I haven't been dancing I haven't and a young girl you know mm. they were a young couple and I was like you go live your best life have all the drinks do all the dancing you know have all the sex whatever it is mm. And lo and behold, they got pregnant after 10 rounds. Uh, roughly, it was in and around. It was very long. They went from timed intercourse to IUI to IVF. So fertility treatment as a whole, and they got pregnant. You know, so mm. it, it, you know, even though there's not much research, yeah. it definitely holds a lot of weight on getting pregnant. Yeah. But yeah. The, the worst way um, to try and get relaxed and stressed is to try and get relaxed and stressed. When, no, yeah. 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 Relax. when you know yeah. that you have to, I mean, you, you can't. So, it, I mean, it has to be sort of... Um, uh, impromptu you know you yeah. just have to it just has to be natural yeah an yeah. inward decision that you've yeah. made for yourself not you know your yeah. mom or your dad or your yeah. granny or something yeah. saying now yeah. just relax yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah. you'll get pregnant um but i suppose for couples then who do come to you guys at sims um they've obviously gone through the motions of trying to get pregnant themselves um but you know things aren't working like what are the kind of typical time periods you're seeing from couples that are coming to the clinic to pursue I suppose maybe some help with their fertility mm, have yeah. they been trying for like six months or a year or mm. do couples even before they start trying come to kind of get an assessment ahead of time yeah. and I know you know before we 
you did the podcast we had a little chat just myself and Mandy and yourselves we were saying that there was a lot of people that are definitely taking their fertility testing into their own hands and taking control of it because they maybe want to go traveling or they're not ready they're you know big projects and their careers different mm. things like that so there's definitely as I said I wouldn't say an increase in people undergoing IVF but certainly an increase in the numbers of people being tested younger people and I suppose some people have been trying we I suppose sometimes we get a bit of a shock. We have couples coming in saying they're trying to conceive for 10 years and it's their first time to ever come to us. And mm. it's a massive shock, you know, but for them, it's like, yeah, you know, it, it was it was just never something that really, I suppose, occurred to them. So we could see that, but then we might see couples that are just barely trying the six months and in the doors to us ready to go, mm. you know? So everybody has their own path and their own journey, you know, in that sense. But I suppose if you're looking at, I suppose, a definition or so, but we would technically say if you're trying for more than six months and you're over 35, you should sort, you know, look at getting an assessment or like over a year if you're Mm. under 35. But that's with the absence of any known factors, you know, fertility issues as well. And you kind of mentioned it there, but you don't necessarily go straight to IVF. Yeah, for sure. There are other procedures that you can undertake before you even if you have to get to that or before you get to that stage yeah and I think people it's really daunting because I think I suppose IVF is the most spoken about type of treatment you know but it depends I suppose when you speak to your consultant they'll take a massive medical history you know check your age look at your investigation results and kind of make an assessment and tailor treatment to you so you can start off with something as simple as timed intercourse you know so is that now where you would get a scan to see when you're ovulating exactly so you would take medication to assist follicular growth and then you would have a scan around day 10 day 12 of your cycle see where the follicles at obviously the follicle will contain the egg fingers crossed you know Mm -hmm. not always but you know but that's what we would hope when it's a good size follicle and then we would get you to take kind of a trigger injection and have intercourse at specific times so just a little bit more structured yes it can take the spontaneity out of it which you know can be a problem but yeah there there is that that's the kind of the starting point if you're suitable and then there's intrauterine insemination where sperm is injected into the cervix so you're making a good chunk of the journey Mandy would you agree for Mm -hmm. the sperm in yeah in IUI so you're making it like a a good chunk of it so your chances are hopefully increased and then yeah what happens to IUI because I am I think probably like a lot of people just a kind of confused to the different things I didn't even realize that um there was such a thing of, of the timed intercourse so I'm like I mean I'm learning something now which is great because I think a lot of people when they make that um decision to go to start doing fertility treatments a lot of people think okay well we're going to do IVF yeah straight yeah. to IVF yeah. yeah and we're not so just an IVF clinic we're a fertility clinic fertility mm. clinic yeah. yes of yeah. course so, so we, can, we can start with like if you're suitable you can start with the time sexual intercourse yeah a couple of uh, tries of that if that doesn't work we can move on to IUI so the, the difference between timed intercourse and the IUI is you still take the drugs you still have the trigger injection yeah. but on the day that you would have had intercourse your partner comes in he gives us a sperm sample we prepare the sperm sample so that we just are left with the good quality moving sperm. Okay. And then that sperm is introduced straight into the uterus. So we know it's exactly where it needs to be. We know the follicle is exactly at the right time. And hopefully the, the rest is history from there. So I know that obviously it t- completely um, differs from person to person because everyone is so different and every couple is different. But like it, it, is IUI 
successful you know do you have see a lot of success with it we do see a good bit of success with IUI um, and we also do donor sperm IUI as well which is very successful okay. mm-hmm. so in terms of success rates you usually wouldn't be recommended to do IUI over sort of 37 years old or so okay. Okay. but probably in the realms of sort of 15 percent 15 20 percent per IUI yeah okay and would a lot of couples who I suppose attempt IUI but are unsuccessful we see there's a natural then there's a natural progression okay yeah right so they would often be recommended to do a couple of IUI cycles because it's it's much less invasive than Mm -hmm. the the next step Mm. um but if that isn't successful then the natural progression would be to move on to the the IVF the full full IVF cycle and what exactly is IVF (laughs) IVF is um we mix eggs and sperm together so we do all the, the hormone stimulation for the lady. We give her the trigger injection. She, because of the hormones that she's been given, she's grown multiple follicles. So at the, the time that we do the egg collection, hopefully we're collecting multiple eggs. On the same day, we get her partner to give us a sperm sample. And like just like with the IUI, we prepare the sperm sample. We get the good quality sperm. And then for just an IVF cycle, if the sperm quality is good, we would mix the, uh, the eggs and the sperm together in a dish and leave them overnight to fertilize. If the sperm quality is not good, um, then we would simply inject a single sperm into each of the mature eggs. So all we need is if we've collected 10 eggs, we need 10 sperm. So that's very good for very low numbers of sperm in the sample so we would inject a single sperm each of two in, into each of the mature eggs that we've collected and then again we would leave them overnight to fertilize and see how many have fertilized the following morning because that's actually like something that I never really thought about before you know reading more about fertility mm-hmm. that the the fertility issue can be from the man like the male mm-hmm. you know and it can be a sperm issue and then yeah. to be able to to target individual sperm um and and be able to use them like that's amazing you know because like seriously they're tiny yeah. <laughs> they <laughs> are tiny. my mind is kind of blown thinking yeah that, to be honest they are tiny we've got very good microscopes there <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't take it personally guys your sperm are just tiny um but i feel like you know is is male fertility something that's becoming a bit less of a taboo subject absolutely. and you're seeing men take a bit more ownership i suppose absolutely we get loads of men wanting to, to discuss their sperm samples they're coming in to see if you know they they have a, a good quality sperm sample if they don't they want to talk about it what can i do how can i improve it those sorts of questions so they're they're very very proactive mm. these days in in terms of wanting to to do the very best if they're they're uh, trying to conceive as a couple mm-hmm. they're wanting to do the very best to to increase their chances and I think historically, as you said, it's it's kind of been a woman, you know, it's been thought of as a woman's issue and yes, it's on the yeah. woman, which leads to, you know, so many issues. But it roughly it's like 30 percent male, 30 percent female, it, you know, when there's an issue, you mm-hmm. know, that's roughly the statistics. So it's actually kind of even on both sides. But still, even though we've progressed and we've come on a lot, I still think you know, people think it leans more towards the woman. Well, they take it on more themselves. Yeah. They feel it more themselves. But the woman has to go through a lot more through the process as well. And, you know. Massively, yeah. massively. Yeah, I think definitely men are taking more more ownership, mm-hmm. which is great to see. Yeah. But when you consider, you know, the actual process. The when hormones. The hormones, the yeah. injections, yeah. the... You know, I mean, pres- the man kind of just has to produce a sample. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's and the, not that and hard. So, the, so, a ma- <laughs> so even if you've identified that there's a sperm issue, the male won't have to undergo any sort of hormonal um no maybe just kind of diet and lifestyle changes yeah. is the usual go-to like reducing like 
definitely no smoking for sure limiting okay. alcohol good diet exercising and yeah. um, sometimes coq10 and stuff like that mm-hmm. is seen to improve sperm qualities different supplements like that um mm-hmm. but generally not as invasive as what the woman would have yeah. to mm-hmm. go through obviously it depends on how bad the sample is mm-hmm. as yeah. well if, if there's no sperm in the sample then that's a whole different question yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. 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 we take a different detour uh, yeah. then yeah. yeah and is it possible to regenerate sperm if there's no sperm in the initial sample if there's no sperm in the initial sample we would often get them to come back and have another try so mm-hmm. see if there's the sperm in the second sample mm-hmm. if there's no sperm in the second sample then we would do all sorts of hormonal investigations and they'd be referred to perhaps to a urologist to investigate whether all the plumbing is in their the, the required places um, and we also would probably do a genetic test like a karyotype to make sure that they have the right number of chromosomes mm-hmm. to to assume that they're still making sperm or if they're a carrier of any sort of genetic disease okay so if they have gone through all those tests and everything looks okay, they would often be referred to for a, um, a testicular biopsy. So sometimes we can do that in the clinic if it looks to be a, a straightforward procedure. Otherwise, they would be referred to a urologist who would do that procedure for us and send us the tissue. So we would get a piece of the testi- testicular tissue and then we would process that and see if there's any sperm actually being processed in the testicular tissue. So sometimes the, the plumbing is missing and it's particularly prevalent in the Irish male population that the plumbing is actually missing from the testes to get to the outside. Mm, so that's to a, go co- through a common the thing among it's Irish? It's quite common in, in Irish men, wow. yeah. It's called congenital bilateral absence of the vas deferens. Now the vas deferens wow. is the tube that goes from the testes to the outside, to through the penis to the outside. And it's the CBAVD is... So, um, a type of cystic fibrosis mutation. Okay. And yes, that we do see a, a good number of men with that in Ireland. It is so interesting when you get into the nitty gritty. Yeah. <laughs> you like start to see all these kind of links yeah. between different things. Yeah. But I suppose kind of going back to the process for the woman, you know, from day one of them starting treatment with you guys, if they're doing IVF or, or even, you know, IUI, the hormones, like, what does it entail? Is it actually, you know, you kind of hear these like horror stories of like people injecting themselves like every day and getting bruising. Like, it, is it that invasive? Like, what does it actually require? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, look, and there's lots of, again, there's a, there can be a bit of scaremongering out mm-hmm. there as well. Generally, when we see patients, if you're talking about IVF, you would ha- take injections roughly for a 10 to 14 day period. Everybody's, you know, everyone's body responds fairly differently. Mm. But they're, generally patients are on an injection in the morning and two in the evening there could be you know you could have four a day it do, again it depends on, on your prescription and what the doctor has asked for you know requested for for you but yeah you could be looking at a minimum of three injections per day one in the morning two in the evening again look I suppose like I always there's a really funny slogan around fertility drugs and it's like you know is there a full moon or is she taking fertility drugs you know I always mm-hmm. laugh at that one you know but generally people can they function normally you know yes you might be crying at things on the television that you wouldn't normally cry at things mm-hmm. like that a little bit more sensitive headaches nausea that feeling really tired you know things like that but nothing that would make you not function yeah you know your people. life doesn't have to completely stop no absolutely absolutely yeah. the, you, you know you, usually people would come in have their appointments for 30 minutes scan appointments and go back to work yeah. different things like that we try and you know help that process as much as possible because mm. it's already stressful enough without having yeah. to I suppose juggle work as well yeah. but yeah generally that would be that would be kind of it with the injections but really most patients would say you know what it's 
I suppose there's a massive milestone every time and when I speak to them they would say I would take injections every single day you know it's more will I have follicles will I have eggs mm, will the eggs yeah. be good quality will they fertilise okay. will I have embryos will the embryo implant will I get pregnant yeah. will my hormone levels be good when I get pregnant will my scan be okay yeah. so when you go back to the injections they're kind of like what injections did I take mm, injections yeah. you know yeah. so I think there's it's those milestones that are pretty heavy for people I think it's the thought of it that's the worst yeah. like you having, having to think about injecting yourself first mm-hmm. but once you get into it it's it's not really that much of a bother at all Sims IVF have a leading team of fertility experts. With locations all throughout Ireland, Sims IVF are here for you every step of the way. They have tailored treatments to suit your needs, so whether you are looking to freeze your eggs, go it alone, or need advanced treatment such as pre-genetic testing, they have the plan for you. Their mission is to provide hope to all those that need help starting families. And so at the end of that 10 to 14 day period, then is there another assessment to see if the hormones have done their job, I suppose? Yeah. So generally you would have a final scan. So when the follicles sort of, we measure them and they meet certain criteria and size and numbers and things like that, we would say, okay, like the other cycles, you would take a trigger injection and you would have your egg collection. Um, but usually two days after that, two to three days, depending is on the day Is that done under week. like anesthetic or are you awake for that? So yeah, it's done under... Conscious sedation, okay. essentially, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's a, it's not a general anaesthetic, as in you're breathing by yourself, mm-hmm. but you're in a nice deep sleep and you're not aware of anything or what's going on. And okay. if you are, we give you more medication okay. so you feel like you're having a pina colada. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like champagne. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So generally, yeah, and it's fairly quick. Like I mean, you know, you're you're looking at maybe twenty or thirty minutes okay. in having an egg collection. So it's it's not the procedure itself is mm-hmm. not too long. Mm-hmm. You know. Okay. And then at that point, is it? that's when the kind of the magic happens in the lab is that when everything's kind of mixed together Mandy so as soon as the eggs have been collected we would keep them in the dish in the lab for the next couple of hours then we would ask the partner if they're coming through for a cycle with a partner he would give us the sperm sample so we prepare the sperm sample we would mix the eggs and the sperm together if they're good quality that afternoon or Mm -hmm. we'd inject a single sperm into each of the mature eggs that have been collected they go back into a dish overnight to fertilize and we check them the following morning so the following morning we would refer to as day one Mm-hmm. And that's the fertilization check. So once we've checked which eggs are fertilized, how many the patient has got, the fertilized eggs then go back into the incubators for the next five or six days. And then we would ring the patient to update her about the fertilization check. So we would phone, say, you know, this is how many are fertilized mm-hmm. this is of out of how many were, were initially inseminated or injected. And then that's the number that would, would be going through for the, for the next couple of days for the, the embryology. And are they then... Um, like injected back into the woman immediately or do you have no. to wait for a certain time? No, like? so that would be day one. So we would typically do day five transfers. Okay. So we would grow the embryos in the laboratory for the next few days. So we mm-hmm. would be keeping an eye on them every couple of days. We would update the patient. So for example, we'd phone on day three just to say, look, this is what they're doing. This is what they're looking like. Um, and we would book them in for a transfer usually on day five. And is that just to give the embryos the best chance possible? It's giving the best chance possible. Also, by growing them to day five, you're selecting between them. Okay. So if you have a big cohort of them, mm. it's it's helpful to grow them out all to day five so that we know which are the strongest of the group because between sort of day one and day three, all they have to do is divide. They're just dividing from a single cell into two cells, into four cells, into eight cells by day three. But once we go from day three to day five, that is much more of a challenge. So... 
after day three, they would go obviously from the eight cells into 16. But what they're trying to do over the next couple of days is they're trying to form a structure. And they're trying to form a structure which is called a blastocyst. And that's the day five embryo that we would be transferring. And not all embryos are strong enough to actually do that. Mm. So the reason that we grow them to day five is to figure out which ones are the strongest ones when they get to the blastocyst stage, which are the best quality ones, which look the nicest, which have got the best history of, you know, dividing properly at the appropriate times. And they would be the ones that would be either transferred or frozen on day five or even day six if we can. And then you can keep them as well, like you can freeze them and use them again? We can freeze them. So once we've done the transfer or if we're, we're not doing a transfer during that cycle, anything that's good quality on day five or day six can be frozen. Mm-hmm. So they'd be frozen individually. So then when the patient wants to come back to use them, we would thaw them out individually and then do a single transfer after that. Yeah. And what's the kind of um, policy on how many embryos you transfer? So like, do you just go with the one strongest that you have or do you get as many in there as possible <laughs> you know like or, or, or can you say like well I quite would like I like the idea of twins so let's put two in or you yeah. know like what's the kind of it's, procedure it's a decision best made with the doctor okay at, at the the first port of call the typically in the clinic we would do single embryo transfers for the majority of patients now single embryo transfers just to give you some statistics if you've got a 35 year old lady a single good quality day five embryo your chance of pregnancy is over 50 percent okay so if you transfer two good quality embryos for that lady, you're not going to double your chances. So mm. your chances might be, instead of 50%, might be 60% mm-hmm. with two embryos transferred. But what you do if you have a double embryo transfer is you significantly increase your chance of having twins. Yeah. Okay. So for those ladies who've had a double transfer, their chance of having twins, if they get a positive pregnancy test, their chance of being a twin pregnancy is about one in four. Okay. So twin pregnancies are riskier than Mm. singleton pregnancies. They will miscarry more often. They will deliver early more often. And they will potentially come with complications for babies and or mom. Mm. So... And is this any type of twin pregnancy? or is it? twin pregnancy. Miriam's a twin. I am a twin. (laughs) (laughs) You're a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So you tend to, I suppose... We tend to encourage single transfers where possible. Yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. And then the statistics, are they better for somebody who's under 35 under 35s have so we we typically do the statistics all together for for ladies who are under 35 but yeah under 35 chance of pregnancy somewhere between 50 and 60 percent okay i think 35 is that scary age for women and yeah i find it um sort of off-putting in a way because obviously not all 35 year old women mm-hmm. are going to be are going to have trouble conceiving mm, exactly um, and majority of them don't yeah 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 but it is that age that people I think start thinking and if you haven't had kids already it's like this looming age it's like mm. oh we have to start thinking about um if I can have kids or if I even want them or mm-hmm. if I will have trouble yeah. so uh do you have I mean I think we touched on this a little bit earlier but would you have um couples or women or or men around that age coming in just in case you know checking out there yeah Yeah. absolutely yeah they come in they'd have a semen sample done you know is the is the semen sample good quality they come in they'd have their amh done Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. for sure definitely would see and it is you're right because there's lots of I suppose there's lots of chat out there that your fertility halves at 30 and again at 35 and Mm. some people are just starting their careers at 30 and they're like wow this is 
this is amazing that I have to consider this right yeah. now, you know, but I think employment, like employment has gotten better, you know, and employers where there's lots of support for women to freeze their eggs. And mm-hmm. again, there probably should be a little more support for men too, because again, it's focusing on the woman, mm-hmm. you know, but again, sperm does deteriorate with age. Yes, not as quick as eggs do, you know, the biological clock, you know, that naturally mm. does start to kind of kick in, but it is something that, you know, companies need to be a bit more supportive for men around as well but it is nice to see that movement and I think some companies even pay for egg freezing cycles Mm -hmm, for for women and things like that so yeah it is it's kind of a looming age for people Mm -hmm. I think where they're like oh my god I need to make decisions it's a real decision maker time it is yeah Yeah, it is really hard because I think like I definitely know that if I didn't have feel that pressure to have children in my late or you know mid to late 30s I probably would have waited you know, and I obviously wouldn't change it for the world, mm-hmm. but you know, like, most days, you know, <laughs> exactly, not at 3 a.m. Um, but you know, I think like that feeling of like you, if it's now or never, I think that really does loom over so many women's heads, and yeah. like it's very um hard to kind of. I suppose progress in your relationship or kind of like in your job or whatever if you don't kind of carve out the time um but it can be really hard if you're single as well oh 100%. and you're that age and yeah. it's like oh no um I'm 35 now or, and then you know the next birthday's 36 and the next one 37 mm. and I haven't had a baby yet and what if I can't and what if I never find the man and or but not find a man you know what I mean but no, find someone like, to have yeah, a baby to with have your baby. or yeah. you know go at it alone which a lot of people are doing mm. it's just um that adds to the stress as well yeah. and as we know it's not a it's not great to be stressed when you're trying for a baby do you find there's an increase actually in women who are just taking I suppose their um desire to have a family into their own hands so mm. you're seeing an increase in women who are coming to the clinic who decide that they want to have a baby on their own absolutely yeah, yeah massive yeah we run a very busy donor sperm program at the moment okay. so well. we get lots of single women coming in getting their tests done deciding that they they have had enough of trying to find mr right or they just are busy with their careers but mm. yes it's it's time for me to have a baby so they they come in they would choose a donor from a selection we we work with a clinic in denmark mm-hmm. i so have to say donor sperm fascinates me <laughs> <laughs> and like i always got a joke i'm like god you know you get like you're like danish you know like viking god yeah. type figure yeah. to, to be your sperm donor um but how does that work? Like, do you get to flip through a catalogue? Like, what you way? Absolutely sorry, do and I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to, <laughs> I don't mean to be do. flippant here, and yeah. I'm, I'm sorry if it's coming across flippant, but I suppose just even kind of, you know, you know, whoever you're, you're having your baby with, if it's like a, a partner that you've chosen, like the traditional way, I suppose, mm-hmm. you know, you don't really, when you're selecting them, think of like, their sperm quality or like what they're no. what you they're kind of know? No, no I was very naive um but you know you're not kind of thinking like oh he's like you know good at sport or he's like doing this or you know like you just yeah. kind of whatever it yeah, you fall in love. yeah 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 that that con but anyway, no, <laughs> um but you know to then kind of be confronted with a choice of like what you could kind of pick like do do people kind of get very specific about what they want or some people do some people do get very specific about they want what they want and if it's not available they are quite willing to wait until okay. it becomes available on the on the website for us to be able to purchase for them like what like you know like education or sometimes or yeah. yeah height weight ethnicity 
Mm-hmm. Um, some people can decide, you know, that I want to wait for a professional. So there's there's a lot of students who would donate sperm. So they you can see in some of the some of the donors have more information than others, but mm. some of them you can see their occupation and you can see you know if their mother and father are still alive Mm. or those kind those kind of things and get like a complete medical history i suppose you can get yeah donors who've been tested for a multitude of of um infectious diseases and genetic diseases so you can have have access to all of that information through the donor's website it's such a huge decision I, I mean, I'm thinking if I was doing it, I would want all the information yeah. I could yeah. possibly so have. And they'd have to be like premium. <laughs> yeah. I'm like Alexander yeah. Skarsgård yeah. sperm. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your cousin? Is your cousin a sperm? <laughs> Younger brother. Um, yeah. 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 So, um, so as you were, obviously, I know you were saying about donor sperm, but even just we did a reb- webinar recently because we had such massive interest in, in solo motherhood, essentially. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, even I suppose people obviously for same-sex couples donor sperm is such an important option yes, of course, as yeah. well you know but I think as well even in heterosexual couples not to scare people or anything but I suppose it is something that heterosexual couples do have to face as well yeah. looking mm. through that as you know it's you know sometimes if you're a woman doing it by yourself you've just yourself to consider mm-hmm. you can you know some women are like okay I'm gonna have a glass of wine tonight and I'm gonna just sit down and look through the donor sperm but yeah. it's very different when you're doing that in a heterosexual couple as well because mm. it's probably something no one ever thought that they would have to do yeah, yeah. as a couple you know but in that circumstance do most people if you, I mean if you know um look for characteristics of the male in often the, yeah. often they do yeah and often it's the man who is much more particular okay than the woman yeah. in in deciding that this this is the only donor that mm. we want to have okay mm-hmm. yeah yeah and would people uh, like would they try if they want to have subsequent children would it be that would the goal be to freeze as many embryos in one go or would you be able to use the same sperm donor another time so when the ladies are coming through if they're suitable for an IUI we would usually order three straws of sperm so if they get pregnant on the first one terrific they have two two subsequent straws to use later on if they decide that they want to do an IVF cycle that's when we can start creating all the embryos so they can they can potentially create a family from a single straw of, of donor sperm if they've got super supernumerary embryos in the freezer okay mm. but if it's if they're just going for an IUI it would be one straw per IUI event and then what about egg donation? Because I suppose, yeah, like sperm donation, we kind of like, uh, and I'm guilty as I've just shown of kind of flippantly, you know, discussing the kind of like jokey side of it. But I suppose egg donation is something that we don't speak about as as much. Um, but it obviously happens and a lot of women have to use that service to, to get pregnant. Is that something mm. that you're seeing is becoming a little bit more common in Ireland or is it still quite rare? Um, again, I wouldn't say I would kind of notice a massive you know maybe it's always been again maybe it's because it's not discussed but yeah. I feel it's always been something that's been so needed and really in demand would mm-hmm. you agree Mandy absolutely yeah. yeah yeah so it's not something that we'd offer in swords um but it's something that that would definitely be considered in Klonsky mm-hmm. in the the other sims clinic down in Klonsky but it's it's very helpful service mm. if they've had multiple cycles and they haven't created nice embryos or they haven't had a pregnancy or mm. they haven't had a full-term pregnancy if the ladies are you know over the the early 40s into the mid 40s they're not creating good quality embryos any longer it is definitely something that that's prevalent in uh, in, in ireland at the moment i mean a woman can still get pregnant but not necessarily with her own eggs yeah mm. Okay. Yeah. I suppose that's the other thing about fertility. Like you get so focused, I suppose, on the egg quality and and everything else, and yeah. 
then there's obviously the other side to fertility issues which is people can get pregnant but then possibly can't retain a pregnancy Mm -hmm. is that something that you see at the clinic as well yeah yeah for sure it's like you know recurrent implantation failure recurrent Mm -hmm. miscarriages all of that you would be dealing with that a lot yeah there's various different advice and routes we would you Mm -hmm. know give based on that but yeah that is something that we would see quite a bit really Um, and is there any kind of one reason for it or is it just various different reasons no again it's it's usually again 30 percent male 30 percent female what's a kind of really interesting statistic is that 25% is unexplained which is pretty frustrating if I'm honest and for for lab doctors nurses because we're humans we love to know a cause and we Mm. love to treat it and then we'll we'll fix it and we'll be fine and we'll move forward but sometimes we don't have answers and I think that's really important to know. Yeah, it's very frustrating for the patient as well. Yeah, we can't give them an answer. Like yeah. we we've done all the tests and we've looked into everything for them, and we just don't have an answer, and that's unbearably frustrating. So everything yeah. on the surface or from the tests looks mm-hmm. fine, looks but absolutely it's just not fine. It's, it's not just happening. Just not happening. You nearly, I think people want reasons. They're like, okay, so if this is wrong, we'll do this. If that's wrong, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. But then when there's nothing, they're like, oh my god, this is really frustrating. Yeah. You know, yeah. it can be so. It was discouraging, really, can't mm. it? You know, that we're going through this, but there's nothing very obvious wrong. And you can't tell in that case that there is, you know, that you might be better off going with a donor egg or with donor sperm. Or do, or do people just decide, well, we, we might just do that anyway and, and see? The, do- the doctors would often yeah. counsel patients if they think it's it's probably the next logical step to go for donor sperm or donor mm-hmm. eggs. Yeah. Um, but if, if they think it's worthwhile potentially trying again trying something different with the with their own eggs okay then they would absolutely recommend that as well it would rarely it would be the first go-to mm. you know yeah. unless there's a very obvious significant i suppose problem where you're like okay the only option here is mm-hmm. egg or sperm donation mm-hmm. yeah. but mm-hmm. generally wouldn't be the first go-to for anybody you know so just for a couple just say like for instance um who have been trying to get pregnant and who actually have been getting pregnant mm-hmm. but having you know loss after loss at various stages mm-hmm. or even at the early stage um they can still go for a treatment with you and go on to have healthy pregnancies and not necessarily continue to have miscarriages sometimes yeah absolutely sometimes there is um some testing that we can do as well that's called pre-implantation genetic testing so pgt so what that involves is we create embryos same way as we've discussed earlier we would then biopsy some of the the day five and the day six embryos so if they're good quality they're looking nice we can take a few cells from those embryos before we freeze them and what we do then we send those cells to uh, a center in the UK and they would test the genetics of the embryos so a lot of um, recurrent miscarriage might be caused by a a trisomy so too many chromosomes so for example um, humans would have um, 46 chromosomes in in as a normal um, complement, so sometimes they might have forty seven embryo uh, sorry chromosomes in an embryo, and that can be a cause of miscarriage. So trisomy sixteen would be a leading cause of miscarriage. There's three chromosome sixteens instead of two. So we can test the embryos that we get through the clinic, and we can determine which ones are carrying these genetic abnormalities and not transfer those ones. Mm-hmm. And we can tell the patients that you know these are the the embryos which are have normal chromosome complements, and they will be the ones that will be transferred. And hopefully, we can we can get to a live birth from there. So not all of them would have the same would come out with the same number. That 
Okay, that's actually just so fascinating. It's just so tri- also fascinating. Trisomy 21 is also known as Down syndrome. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. there's an extra chromosome 21 in every cell in the body. Mm-hmm. So they would have one extra chromosome, which is, is still um, able to be born, still able to live nicely into adulthood, mm-hmm. but other trisomies, other chromosomes which would be duplicated would would not create healthy pregnancies would not create live births they would be be responsible for recurrent miscarriage 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 okay. i think when you actually start to try to conceive yourself and you even you know you see like i used an app to track my cycle and you know get my fertile days or whatever um you do see like it's very difficult like it's not as easy as i suppose people think um and that window that you have to conceive naturally is so short so obviously like when you're taking all these other elements into consideration you know so for couples I suppose who are going through the process like how important is counseling because I even find you know for me my first pregnancy that obviously didn't um go full term and that was a chemical pregnancy and you know there's a huge disappointment um with miscarriage or pregnancy loss at any stage um but obviously if you're undergoing such rigorous procedures you know mentally that takes its toll it's not just the physical toll so you know, is counselling such a like a, an essential component in the whole process? Yeah, so with donor egg and donor sperm, if you're going down that route, it's mandatory. It isn't mandatory for timed intercourse, IUI, IVF. It mm-hmm. is available, though. Mm-hmm. So we have, each clinic would have counsellors linked, fertility-specific counsellors. So everyone, obviously there's plenty of fabulous counsellors, but a fertility counsellor would be the better better choice mm-hmm. if you're undergoing fertility treatment so we have in all of our clinics that support available but as I said it isn't mandatory it would be a, a personal choice if it was something and I, I think it is really important for everybody it's such as you said like physically emotionally socially financially mm. there's so much investment so I think if you can access that support I think it's an absolute no-brainer I think you should yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. and if we've if we've been given sort of um, difficult news to patients so for example if they've had to cancel their cycle or if they've got nothing fertilized or if there's nothing to transfer we would always say look we, we've got patient support services available would you would you like us to, mm-hmm. to get someone to contact you about that because we know that these patients are going through so much with the cycles they're investing so much emotionally financially and just a little bit of support can often go a long way yeah, and I'm oh, sure, sure it's such a difficult conversation to have with anyone to, to end their journey when they obviously want to continue. Um, so I suppose to kind of finish off, like where where are the best resources? Is it to go to sims.ie or? Yeah, for sure. So yeah. our website, it's I suppose. I suppose it's the our main tool. It's it's amazing. You'll find everything on it just about to be how to become a patient, about diet and lifestyle, fertility tips, even like, you know, different meals that you could you know, like mm. a ba- really balanced meals. If you just wanna be the healthiest version of yourself, mm-hmm. I suppose it's address anything that you are worried about, whether it's, you know, smoking, alcohol consumption, BMI, whether it's too high or too low, that kind of thing. You know, it's really important to address that stuff before you come in and the website's an amazing start for that just to kind of see, okay, what do I need to do in preparation for this? And then after that, it will guide you on how to become a patient, what we offer, and we'll kind of take you. A bit of a description on on all the services that are available, the the TSI, the timed intercourse, Mm -hmm. the IUIs, the Mm -hmm. IVFs. Yeah, all of that. Because there are so many options. Like that is the other thing for people who who are about to embark on this journey. You know, it's not straight into IVF. You don't need to jump all the way in. 
straight yeah, away yeah, and yeah. lifestyle changes can help too absolutely absolutely yeah. that's it website's the best place to start I think book a consultation if in doubt just book a consultation yeah. and we'll take your hand from there I think that's the best thing okay yeah brilliant listen thank you so much for joining us today and and hopefully you can continue to help so many other people on their journey to parenthood thanks for, thanks for your time you. thank you Sims IVF have a leading team of fertility experts with locations all throughout Ireland Sims IVF are here for you every step of the way They have tailored treatments to suit your needs, so whether you are looking to freeze your eggs, go it alone, or need advanced treatment such as pre-genetic testing, they have the plan for you. Their mission is to provide hope to all those that need help starting families.